Good evening, LCM. And uh, those who are going to be watching us electronically here shortly. Tonight is Wednesday, January 29th, 2020. And the title of tonight's message is Cutting Issues. Wow, come on. Cutting Issues. Sunday surely was one of uh, those kind of messages. If you weren't here, and you uh, even if you were here and you hadn't listened to that a couple of times yet, you are missing out on what the Lord is speaking to this group of people. See, a message that was entitled, Phinehas Rising, that moved us all to put the spear in the hand of Phinehas. Yeah, it did. To spear and not spare the sinful Zimri in our own hearts. Those are important concepts for us to learn. We learned the absolute necessity. Somebody say necessity. Necessity. For public con- uh, confession. That we might not hide things and try to keep them in secret, but that we will drag them out into the open that they can be exposed, that we might excise them. Amen? Come on. Everybody turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Come on, man. We'll pick up on one of the verses that we covered on on Sunday. We'll start at verse 5, though. He will bring you to the land. The land that belonged to your fathers. And you will take possession of it. What kind of land are we talking about? It's a good land. Land with milk and honey flowing through it. Promised land. But what else does it have in it? It's got giants in the land. Something has to be dispossessed. That's why he's saying take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. I mean, that's just a promise of blessings, blessings, blessings. It's good to have promises. We need promises in front of us. Continues, though. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. You know, as Pastor Wade and I were studying for today about cutting issues, we begin to see a correlation. That correlation is where he's speaking about the promises of God, the command to take possession of it, and it's a land that has giants in it. But the very next verse has to do with circumcising your hearts. Hmm, it got us thinking a little bit. Because, you know, there's a, a wretched battle between the giants of your own sinful nature and the man or woman of God that the Lord is trying to make you to be. Come on, you know exactly what I mean. It's like Galatians 5 scripture. That your, your spirit and your sinful nature are in constant war to the point you don't even know what you want. It's a daily battle. A daily war. But the first step in winning this battle is to identify the areas of sin in our lives. That must be exposed. Everybody say exposed. Exposed. So that it can be excised away from you. Cut off. Crucified. Well, Sunday was liberating for us. That as we got on this stage, we began to expose, we began to cut off the power of what was kept secret and hidden for so long. This is not a personal or private cutting off. Instead, it is one that is going beyond the confines of our own closet confession. And it is stepping out in public, willing to crucify our pride, our idolatry of our self-image, and say, this is exactly what I am. Now let's kill it. The step after identifying the sinful areas of our soil is having the courage to admit your condition 
I mean, to have an openness about the realization that none of us are as far along as we would actually like to be. Or let me say it better, as we would like to be seen as what we really are. But we're offering you a, a, a message of hope. And that hope is this, that by the courageous nature, the courageous nature of God's holy fire within you to step out and expose and exterminate, dragging it into light to openly confess and then spear the sinful ways that are inside of us, we're actually able to become everything that God has promised us to be. This is the first step in being qualified. We we'll make sure we make that connection. That when we begin to confess in a public manner, putting this thing to death that's at work within, within us, that is the first step in being qualified, not disqualified. Amen. Yeah, amen. It's that fear that rages on inside us to say, if you even hint at what the weaknesses are you have within you, if you let anybody see the edge of your Nabal card, right? The, the sinful nature traits. I don't want to set them out on the counter for too long because somebody may walk by and see it. And you know what? They're going to disqualify me. They'll snap a a picture of it on their phone and they'll read it every single day to let me know just how disqualified I am. Well, putting them out on the table, exposing them will actually bring you to a point of being qualified. There's nothing left to hide and no power and secrecy over it. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 3 and we're going to start in verse 5. Say there when you're there. Yeah, we want you there. So Colossians 3 and verse 5. See, there's something interesting that happens when we start learning and understanding about confession. Look what Colossians 3, 5 says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which, by the way, is just straight-up idolatry. Right? See, this reminds us that there is a constant spearing of Zimri that's needed. Yeah. You know, I thought about, we thought about getting uh, some video where you see uh, a movie where someone is trying to put someone to death and they're like, ha ha, I got you. Uh, uh, got you again. <laughs> Still here. Uh, not dead yet. You're like, wait a minute. This really is like our sinful nature. It's not one stab and now I am done crucifying my sinful nature. I've done it. Tis but a scratch. It's just a flesh wound. Minor flesh wound. See, what we have to do, what we're encouraging you to do is this can't be a one-time thing that happens on a special service on a very, very special day, which is exactly what Sunday was. But you have to keep the spear in Phinehas's hand and out of Zimri's hand. Yeah. You can never allow that spear back into Zimri's hand because he's not completely dead yet. I'm not dead yet. No, that's why we have to keep doing with this every day. You have to have Phinehas that keeps rising. And he's got to come up and rise within you every single day. Somebody say every day. Every day. This is not a one day kind of thing. This is not a twice a week kind of thing. This is an every day. Do you hear what the Lord has been saying to us for weeks and weeks now? A daily disciplines that we begin, that we end our year with last year. Do you know why we needed daily disciplines? To understand that what you hear in a service can't just be done before you get to the next service. Come on. You can't have the spear in Phinehas' hand killing Zimri and now you're done and it's Wednesday. 
The Bible says, put to death, therefore, yeah. whatever belongs to your earthly and your, na- your earthly sinful nature. And then it starts to list some things just to help you to make sure you don't, you understand. But the idea here is, is you have to put to death whatever is in there. I have to put to death whatever is in there and make sure that that thing completely dies. Come on, is pastor's words resonating in you? Well, I just, I'll have, have a moment of transparency here, right? So we, we have a fantastic service. Maybe even the anointing of God flows through me as I deliver a, a wonderful message. It pierces my heart. It wrecks everybody in the room. There's transformation happening. And we have great fellowship after, afterwards. And I get in the car and I begin to, you know, ask, ask my bride. It's like, man, wasn't that a, a fantastic message? And she begins to share with me just the honest truth of some things I could have done better. And guess what? That Zimri came right back to life. I mean, I thought I'd put the spirit in while I was studying, while I was delivering the message, while I was fellowshiping other people. And my wife is edifying me by what I could do to help make it go further. And that Zimri came right back to life. So I'm sorry, baby. She doesn't remember. Amen for a... for lack of memory on that regard. <laughs> See, look at that. It's already working. Oh, yeah, it's already working. But the point is, is that we have to be constantly crucifying our sinful nature, constantly putting it to death. And there's a reason why. Verse 6 says so. Because of these. What are these? The very things he listed in verse 5. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So guess what happens whenever you fail to daily spear Zimri? Is that there's ultimately going to be one day when God comes back to finish it all together. To put a complete end to it. The wrath of God is already on its way. The train has left the station and it's going to arrive. And it's coming for Zimri. So why don't we put him to death before we are put to death? Verse 7 says, you used to walk in these ways. In the life you once live. This is when it begins to turn around. Whenever we begin to spear Zimri, we can then look back and see the success upon success upon success. And say, that's the way I used to be. Even if it was one week ago. Even if it was one day ago. I'm still putting him to death right now. And I'm moving forward. But we got to talk about just some of the forms of confession. See, a, a confession that is not followed by a total conquering of sin, a total spearing of Zimri, it isn't real confession. Has anyone ever, anyone ever said, you know what, Cody, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing this to you. And then turn right back around within an hour or two hours, do the exact same thing again? Willfully? Yeah. So a confession that is not followed by a total conquering of sin isn't real confession. And if we don't accept that, how in the world would the living God accept that? But the, there is something alleviating. I mean, just relaxes the tension, takes off the pressure about just a, a confession alone. There, there's this wonderful word called cathar, cathartic, right? That's it, right? Did you That's say right. Catholic? Is that what you said about confession? Yes, I did. Oh, cathartic, a, I think was... A confession without a total conquering of sin is Catholic. <laughs> Meaning that you just get this thing off of your chest, you alleviate all the guilt and shame, but there's not 
anything that you do afterwards to continue in it. The point of confession is to have a clear picture of your sin and spearing it, not sparing it. Not leaving that little open door that just in case, you know, when my conscience is good and clean after this confession, I can go back to it or just stand next to it and hope it joins me. We're to have no compassion, no sympathy, no commiseration with our sin. We're to totally and completely put it to death. Otherwise, what we do is we have a confession that becomes a lowering of the standard. And not a rising of Phinehas. Not a rising or elevating of the priesthood that God has called us to. Yeah, if you did Sunday correctly, if there was confession that went on in your heart, Monday you should have also still been trying to put that thing to death. That happened in my life. Immediately. That also happened Tuesday. That also happened Wednesday. Where, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to everyone I've been a coward and I'm, I, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm, I'm going to spear this. You know what I had to do Monday? I had to walk across the street and knock on Pastor Matt's door and be like, hey, I was just a coward to you on the phone like three and a half minutes ago. See, it's not just the confession that we're after. That's the beginning. You can't even hope to put it to death unless you drag it out into the light and expose it. But then what do you have to do? You have to kill it. Look at verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things. You got to get rid of it. You got to get the spear and drive it through the sin. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Well, pastor, we're not going to lie to each other. We lie to each other every time that we want to look a certain way. We want to look a little bit better than what we are in front of our friends. You're lying to each other. We are lying to each other. Mm. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off. Somebody say taken off. Taken off. Your old self with its practices. And have put on, somebody say put on, put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. See, once you get this right, once you confess it and then you start to crucify it, Come once on. you get it out in the open and you begin to win, what happens is you're no longer walking in those things. Yeah. If you're still confessing the same things you did 10 years ago, then you haven't done a biblical confession yet. Come on. You have not biblically repented. You're just saying you're sorry. And you're doing it in a selfish way so that you feel better about yourself. See, what you got to do is saying, hey, I'm no longer walking in that. That was what I once was. I took off. I put off that part. And I put on something entirely different. When it happens, it's now just a stumble. It's not the way that I walk. That is something that is not part of me. It's an earthly nature. Amen. And it should become the exception to the rule, not the rule itself. You've got to expose it so you can execute it. See, this is what they were speaking about on Sunday with Paul getting closer and closer to the Lord and his description of himself sounding like he was getting worse and worse. I'm the least of the apostles. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the least of the saints. You know what? I'm just the greatest of sinners. That progression was as he was getting closer to the Lord because he understood these things. See, it's got to become an apparition when we're sinning. It's got to become an apparition. It's got to become something that is not defining us and not that which disqualifies us. See, our earthly desires, our natural desires, those are the things that don't flow from heaven. But progress, somebody say progress. Progress. Doing this rightly gives you progress towards the Lord, and that is to God's glory that you are doing that. You're not saying, yeah, let's commiserate in our sin. Let me confess my sin so I can feel better about my constant nature in sin. Man, that's lowering the standard. That's not raising the Phinehas in the room. What we're going to do is we're going to, like Phinehas, who dealt with the sin, 
He dealt with it publicly, within his camp, openly. He dealt with it honestly. He dealt with it holy in a holy manner. He put to death that which belonged to the earthly nature in him, and he did it publicly. See, this is how we're going to elevate. This is how we're going to create a perpetual priesthood. Speaking of perpetual priesthood, let's look at one of the descendants of Phinehas. Let's go to the book of Ezra, chapter 10, verse 10. Then Ezra, the priest, in that long lineage of Phinehas, continuing a perpetual priesthood, stood up and said to them, You have been unfaithful. You have married foreign women, adding to Israel's guilt. Now make, what is that next word? Confession. Now make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Do you see an action there? So he says, first of all, acknowledge, admit, publicly expose, confess exactly what you have already done. And now, let's take the next step. Let's do his will. I I want to direct your attention to the screen for just a second. This is unplanned. Um, This is a NIV 2011 because that's all that we're allowed to show because of copyright laws. We can't purchase what we're actually reading. Okay. This says, now honor the Lord. Now, honor the Lord. (laughs) The word there is confession. Wow. Do you see how that even some uh, translations are trying to get it to be a more generic and pleasant sounding? Confession, that's kind of an old thought here. We're just going to try to honor the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's the same lie that I've told myself that keeps me in sin in the past. That's exactly, no, I'll just honor the Lord and I'll I'll keep that personal. That's very different than confession. That's very different than you saying it with your mouth with the intent of doing something about it. The saying is the first step. It's not the last step. It's not the only step. You're going to honor the Lord, but you can't honor the Lord unless you're actually confessing your sins one to another. This is not just an Older Testament concept. This says exactly that in the Newer Testament as well. I'm going to let Pastor get back to his point here, but I want to show you that on the screen, now honor the Lord. Boy, doesn't that sound noble? Confess it. Make your confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do His will. Yeah. You want to talk about honoring the Lord. You can't honor the Lord unless you're confessing what's going on and doing His will. Man, thank you, uh, NIV 2011, for giving us the, uh, uh, a teaching break here. Amen. Put it up in NASB, please. I just want to see something here. Now, therefore, make confession to the Lord. We have repented in the name of Jesus with our versions here. Now make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. The very next sentence as we read it. Separate yourselves. Separate yourselves from the peoples around you and from your foreign wives. See, their unfaithfulness was not dealt with in the shadows, in the shadows of the 2011 NIV. But it was dealt with in the full view of all of the community. He's saying expose out loud in front of everyone exactly what you've done. Acknowledge it. Next, do his will. This is going to involve his will circumcising away. Separate yourselves from these people. 
See, we start with confession, and the very next thing that it moves to is circumcision, a cutting away. That's circumcising yourselves from the people, the sin around you, and in your own homes. What are just some of those age-old habits that you have? Those foreign things to the kingdom of God that you may just stand ever so close to. That one word that your spouse says that just sets you off and justifies a carnal response. That one situation that grips you with fear and cowardice every time. And you haven't yet found the courage to circumcise that cowardice away and actually do what is righteous. Men, do you stall? Do you stall whenever there's a difficult decision to make? Cloak it, mask it, with I need to pray. I need to spend more time in prayer about this. But you know good and well, it is your fear that is eating you alive, and you can't admit it. When your brothers ask you, hey, how's it coming praying about that? Oh, I'm I'm still hearing from the Lord, man. I got a few scriptures. Lie. Lie. But instead, by confessing, Saying, you know what? I am really struggling. I am stuck. I can't figure this out. I am overwhelmed with making the wrong decision. I have no idea how to make the right decision. That begins to circumcise your heart. It brings it into the light. You stab the spear right through it. You execute it. And now, circumcision can begin to occur in your heart. You can actually begin to be sensitive to the Lord's moving. Able to hear his whisper. If we're not able to separate ourselves from what is foreign to God, foreign to his kingdom, foreign to his word, foreign to the moving of his spirit, that leaves us in a a position of just confessing and weeping that doesn't produce a walk. Morning, day after day after day about our condition. Pastor Wade, I don't know why I'm like this. I can't figure out. It is an apparition It is this ghost-like element I can't put my arms around and try to figure out what's happening inside of me. But instead, when we actually begin to confess and let the Lord circumcise our hearts, we begin to have that faith and courage to get up and walk, to get up and do something about it. What is the walk that you must respond with tonight? What areas have you allowed your heart and your mind become attached to that is foreign, foreign attachments to the covenant you have with the living God? Start with your Nabal traits. Start with the list of your sinful traits. How attached to them are you? You can tell by how often are you seeking to put them to death. Because I want you to do this. Prove. Prove that the fleshly nature is the apparition and not just the spiritual condition. Prove that you can allow your lips to confess what the true state of your heart really is and going on and then take steps for God to circumcise your heart. Let him cut away that sinful nature. And that action will bring you into right alignment, right shalom with the living God. And you'll begin 
to have a restoration of your covenant with the Lord and separation from anything that's foreign to him. See, our society, our world is trying to get you to confuse that which should be public and that which should be private. Our world inverts this all the time. Yeah. Sexual matters they put out in the open and that should be in private. You shouldn't pour the water out in the streets. Confession and exposing sin should be public, not private. You see, there's, there's this twisting of what we should be doing. Let's turn to Genesis 17 and we're going to see that it's not just confession. Confession is our first step here. Genesis 17, and let's look at verse 9. I want you to understand the importance of what we're saying to you tonight. We've got a confession that's supposed to lead to a circumcision of your heart. Something being cut away. The fleshly nature being cut away from you. And let's look at Genesis 17, verse 9, and let's see where this begins. Then God said to Abraham, as for you. Somebody say, as for you. As for you. You must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. So God is setting this up with Abraham as an eternal covenant with this man. Abraham, his descendants throughout the generations. Man, it sounds exactly like what we're trying to get to. A thousand generations, a perpetual priesthood. We should pay special attention to this. Look at verse 10. This is my covenant with you. Oh, okay. In case you forgot, let me explain it to you again. Let me spell it out to you. Thank you, Lord. I need you to speak to me that way. Spell it out again. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. In case you got confused, he's, this is the one that I want you to keep. You ready for it? You ready for this incredible covenant? Every male among you must be circumcised. Wait a minute. God has this buildup and he's saying, hey, this is very important. You need to keep this. It's for you. It's for your descendants. It's for the generations. It's for all time. I'm telling you, this is this covenant I want you to keep. Are you ready? You got to keep this one. Every male must be circumcised. It's so important that the faith of Abraham, it mandates that everyone is circumcised to be a part of this covenant. Wow. Everyone who wants to be a part of this covenant. The faith of Abraham mandates that everyone is circumcised. Let's look at verse 11 as we continue on. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Talking about the very sign of the covenant is the cutting away of flesh. Do you see that connection? The sign, that, that display, that banner, that you are in covenant with the living God. The only sign is that the flesh has been removed. It's been circumcised. Verse 12, for the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household. Okay, we got that. So in the household. Or bought with money from a foreigner. Okay, a little more expansive here. Those who are not your offspring, just to make sure, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. Did this leave anyone out? Because my covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. You know what I hear in this? I hear hope for Gentiles. Gentiles who attach themselves to the people of God 
undergo that same cutting away of the flesh. For Jew and Gentile, the sign and the requirement was just the same. To separate themselves from their flesh. And that we Gentiles can participate in that same blessing of the household if we participate in the same circumcision of that household. That will make us co-heirs with Israel. And that we are co-heirs inside of an everlasting covenant, one that is born of the heavens, that has been a marker of God's favor upon his people anywhere and everywhere they've ever gone. But there must be a sign, and that sign is the cutting away of the flesh. Look at verse 14. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Wow. See, the idea there's going to be a cutting away of some type. It's either going to be by choice to enter in and cut the flesh right. away, or you're going to be cut away. Wow. There, there is no two ways about it. See, now there's a physical circumcision that requires you to cut your flesh away once. But there's a spiritual circumcision that requires you to cut your flesh away all the time. Somebody say all the time. All the time. It's not a one-time process. Let's, let's turn back to Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6. Let, actually, let's put it on the screen because I want you to see it. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. See, it's clear that this was intended, the physical sign in the very intimate, exposed member of the male is supposed to show you that it is, be, it is to be the sign and the symbol of your hearts being circumcised. It says the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and actually live. Yeah. See, God is going to circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants. What God is trying to do is show you that that confession must lead to a circumcision of your heart. And that circumcision of your heart gives you hope in conquering every enemy that you have that this might propagate through the generations. Yeah. The point of circumcision, the point of circumcising our hearts is that we can love Him with everything that we have. What, is this, what does that mean if you're not circumcising your heart regularly, daily? You are not loving Him with all. There's a foreign uh, body in that that you have to expel from your very presence. You cannot keep it there. See, confession leads to circumcision. That produces conquering the unconquerable items in your life. Come on. Confession leads to circumcision. If you don't, if it doesn't lead to circumcision, then you failed in something. You haven't really confessed. Confession must push you towards circumcising things. And the circumcision will bring you and produce in you an ability to conquer those things that are unconquerable. This is what's different about what we're saying than about so many other places that expect you to keep the same error, to keep the same sin, to keep the same weaknesses your entire life and never actually conquer them. You know why? It's because there's never even a confession thought about. We're going to honor the Lord without a confession. Then if we do get to that, we never get to the point where they are being circumcised away, that that flesh is being removed so that we can conquer. This is what we're looking at tonight. We want everybody to turn with us to Joshua chapter 5. Are you all hearing that connection between the three things? Confession leads to circumcision that produces conquering the unconquerable. How many of you in this room are ready to just defeat what has been defeating you all your life? I'm talking about 
Not just spearing it through the heart, but putting an end to it. Masterfully. So I, I'm tired of living in the defeat. I'm tired of waking up day after day and looking back and wishing I had more victory than I had losses. And today's that day where we make the turnaround. See, Joshua 5, I want to give you guys just a bit of a background. Before we start reading in Joshua 5, you have the second generation of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. I mean, they spent nearly all their lives eating manna. You know, the manna burgers, manna cakes, all kind of other things that you can make with manna. Manda. Man does, actually, yeah, something else. With being supplied with sustenance from heaven for year upon year. You know, right prior to this point, they defeated Sihon and Og of Bashan. Mighty victories. They even were able to participate in crossing the Jordan at flood stage. I mean, picking up where the first generation left off, we got this. We got this. We're going to go right into this next season of our lives. We got victory. We're actually walking through the impossible just like our forefathers did. We are ready. But God has them do something before they actually get to conquering. Chapter 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Yehoshua, make flint knives. Oh, now it's getting interesting. Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. We're going to explain the again part. No worries to see all the men sweating in the room. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeah Haraloth. See, the prerequisite... I'm just, yeah, just enunciating with masterful skill here. I haven't made up a word yet, though, in this sermon. It's, it's yet to come. There was a prerequisite that God had for this second generation. Before they got to conquering and, pos- and p- possessing the land, they had to be circumcised. Now, let me put this in context with just where we are right now, where you're sitting at in life, right? I see these young men down here, Josiah and Micaiah. They will begin to experience some victories. As they attach themselves in discipleship. I mean, standing side by side, slaying their sinful nature, slaying demons that stand in their way, laying their hands on people to get spirit-filled and free from their own sinful nature. That's Sihon. That's Agabashan, man. They'll even be so attached they experience the impossible walking through flood stage events. I mean, drowning in chaos and they're walking across in dry land with confidence. But before they enter the next stage of their life, because becoming husbands and fathers, I bet you the Lord is going to require some Gilgal, some circumcision of their hearts before they take that next step. I know it because of my own personal experience. Lord, I spent nine years, nine years working in full-time secular work and nine years in full-time ministry. And here comes that day on March 4, 2013. Here I go. On my face. 
All those weaknesses, all those areas of my heart that hadn't been circumcised yet, the Lord made sure I face-planted with mistakes because he wanted me to circumcise my heart before I got to conquering. That way he would ensure that I could conquer the way that he wanted me to conquer. I wouldn't get the glory for myself, but I would see rightfully my own weaknesses and give glory to God for every victory that I had. You know that name that uh, uh, so well pronounced? Gibeoth Haaraloth. It means the hill of foreskins. Wow. Now, in Louisiana, anything that constitutes a hill is anything that, you know, is a little bit above an ant mound. But we're talking about the nation of Israel. A hill of foreskins. You know, this... This wasn't just, I'll privately go get circumcised and then, you know, gently bury what, what uh, was removed. This means you had to walk out in public and throw it on the hill. It was a public exposure of your obedience. Verse 4. Now this is why he did so. See, I said, told you we'd explain the again part. All those who came out of Egypt... All the men of military age died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. Now, we saw something beautiful here today. Pastor really he put his finger on it. That you have those that have been on the journey but had never been personally circumcised. I don't know him. That may just be a unicorn in our daily lives, right? I mean, those that attach themselves and have all the right words, have all the similar actions of what the strongest in the group have. Some of those of you who have had your heart circumcised, you've gone through the toil and pain of confessing, having that sinful nature removed day after day after day, putting your foot on your sinful nature. And somebody comes riding shotgun right next to you and begins to credit themselves with all of the sacrifice that you have made. They themselves have not yet experienced it. And you know so, because the minute you step away, they return immediately back to their sinful nature. I can't tell you how many people we have wanted salvation more for them than they wanted it. How many people that out of love, out of a desire to see them excel, we carried their cross more than they did. And I knew it because the minute that we were no longer around, they avoided the cross altogether and went right back to the sinful nature. Well, saints, we we got to elevate our priesthood. We got to elevate our priesthood that allows those that are next to us to feel the weight of their own sinful nature and have to undergo that same confession and circumcision that we did. Because without it, there's no transformation. There's a means of them being part of a group of the circumcision, but have not made the personal confession and cutting away that is the very sign of their covenant. They were within proximity, but not within the group of participators. So let me encourage you from a different way than just pastor just said it. See, 
when we hear this, we immediately want to think about the other people. We presume that we've already been circumcised in yeah. heart, and we want to think about the other people around us who have not yet. Yeah. What happens when you're the one who has not yet been circumcised in an area? Mm. Let me tell you about some examples of me being the wrong end of this story. See where I saw someone completely being very transparent and laying their heart out before the Lord. And I went, man, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> wow. At least I'm not like them. So am I, am I the only person who's ever looked at mm -hmm. someone repenting? No. And not actually, instead of following their example or examining my heart deeply, I just went like, wow, that was, I can't believe they did that. I'm watching someone confess and start to circumcise their heart, and I'm going, huh, wow, good for them. See, that's an uncircumcised part of our heart. Yeah. That is an uncircumcised part of your heart to watch someone else do it. You be in the group while it's going on, being part of the group of the circumcision, but you not ever have been circumcised in your own heart. Whew. You're doing something much worse, and you're looking at someone who's confessing and being like, can't believe they did that. What a sinner. See, these are not the things that we publicly, we publicly say, but it's in our hearts. Yeah. Look at verse 6. Mm -hmm. The Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men who were of military age, when they left Egypt, had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. See, these are people who had physical circumcision, but did not have a circumcision of the heart. See, that's a really, really dangerous problem. Look at verse 7. So he raised up their sons in their place. See, if you're not going to have your heart circumcised, then he will raise up someone, and maybe even the ones that you think were too small, too insignificant, that were, you know, we really can't go into the land, you know, because it's, it's, it's for the children, man. The, the kids can't handle that kind of thing. God will raise those up who you think are lesser than you, who might even be in your own line and raise them up if they will get their heart circumcised rightly. These were the ones that Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Somebody say on the way. On the way. See, in the process of going on the way, of going about your daily life, they had heard it, but they had never personally experienced it. They were part of others who experienced it, but they themselves had not. They were just going along the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. Well, amen for that. See, but there's something about a whole nation of people. There's something about LCM as a whole nation of people where everyone decides, you know what? I cannot let my brothers be circumcised of heart and me not respond in kind. I can't allow this to happen here in this building that someone steps forth and is able to get victory over the sinful areas of their life, to put to death the Zimri, to walk like Phinehas, to circumcise their hearts. I will not allow it to just be them. It must be me as well. If we could create a whole group of people who can do that, a whole group of people who says, I don't want to just confess, which by the way, many of us in here need to actually learn how to do that step. And then move on to an actual circumcision of our heart. That thing has been cut away from me. Then what you get is the, it allows for the conquering of what God has put you in. We know where they're about to go in the next chapters. Yeah. 
They're going to go capture Jericho. They're going to go start a campaign that over seven years, they take the land that God had given them. But they had to start with circumcision in their heart. They ha- that's where we have to start today. So, Pastor, if I'm getting you right, that means that God's military strategy is that in order to take possession of what he has promised for thousands of years means to put yourself in a completely vulnerable position militarily-wise. Yes. And that will ensure victory when we put ourselves in complete, exposed vulnerability and trusting ourselves to God, and only through him we can gain the victory. Man, absolutely. I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. Let's look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Somebody say, Today. They've been out of Egypt for 40 years now. Come on. <laughs> Today. <laughs> See, you left the land 40 years ago. But today, you can have your reproach of Egypt rolled away from you. See, after 40 years, these are the same people that today get their reproach rolled away at Gilgal. They've been freed from the bonds of slavery. They've been baptized in the Red Sea. They had crossed the Jordan River through supernatural means. They had eaten of heavenly bread every day. They had been led by fire and by cloud. They had seen enemies like Sihon and Og fall. But today, I'm not sure if you're with me on a Wednesday night here. Today, after a public circumcision, today, now, finally, at this point, Not at any point before, but now they have the reproach of Egypt rolled away from them. See, previous victories and miraculous events don't exempt you from the need to be circumcised. It's the sign of the covenant. It's actually the sign of the faith. You haven't even started yet. You haven't even committed yourself to step one here if you're not willing to have a circumcision of the heart. See, it defined their location. This place is now called Gilgal. It defined the location that they were at. It defined their camp. The truth is, is this moment began to define their lives. See, what was done once in the natural has to be done continually in the spirit realm. Confession leads you to circumcision so that today you can begin the process of conquering those things that have been unconquerable to you. This is the process of what God is doing for LCM. When we talk about elevating, he is saying, if you're going to elevate, there are some things that you need to circumcise away. Yeah. It's going to hurt. It's gonna, it's gonna, you're, you're not really going to like this. And it is the very sign that today. See, if you, if you took care of Sunday right, you should be standing stronger today than ever. Amen. You should be more able to conquer those things. You should be able to walk out and, hey, you know that fear that had me yesterday? Man, I I, I fell into it and one isn't even thinking, but God showed me about it and I went and I conquered it today. Amen. I I didn't let fear just dominate my thoughts. I didn't let selfish ambition just dominate my actions. See, what happened is I'm I'm starting to get victory. I'm starting to conquer those things that were unconquerable before. Yeah. My goodness. Confession leads to circumcision, and that produces conquering the unconquerable. Turn with us to Joshua chapter 10. 
Say cutting whenever you get there. Because this message is about cutting issues. Having our flesh cut away from us. That the liberation and freedom that we found in confession is to give us a bravery, a willingness to be cut. If you're repulsed at the idea of circumcision, I mean circumcision of your own heart, having to deal with that one area that you just don't want to let go of. And go back to step one. Go back to step one about confession and being open, open and honest and exposing it all the way. Build it until you get to the point of being completely confident, desiring, hungering, and thirsting. Cut this away from me, O oh God. That I may be done with this and go on to conquering. Amen. Joshua 10, 7 picks up with that very same sentiment. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal. Joshua marched up from the place of rolling away that reproach. He began to do something after the circumcision. He marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. He took every bit of strength that he had. And he's moving on beyond circumcision because he had done it right. The Lord said to Yehoshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. What you hear after rightly going through the cutting of circumcision is the Lord's voice telling you, do not be afraid. I will help you conquer this. When that heart is right before God, it can receive the strength and power of God to continue. Verse says, after an all night march from Gilgal. I mean, no rest stops, no checking off at Bucky's to get all those wonderful snacks and jerky. There was an all out pursuit to go conquer after being circumcised. After an all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. Oh, I'm excited about this verse. I'm excited because it hits me personally. How many times has your sinful nature taken you by surprise? I'm talking about you were as prepared as you thought you could be. You're ready for that next big spiritual warfare, that next big decision. And all of a sudden, all the forces of hell descend upon you in 30 minutes. You lose your mind and you are taken by surprise and the ball just starts freaking out and going all different directions. Am I the only one that's ever done that? But when we begin to confess, have our hearts circumcised, have an all-night pursuit with all the best strength that we have, we begin to take our sinful nature by surprise. We begin to go into conquest, victory, again and again and again. Because it is always surprising to us and our enemies that advancing from a place of confession and circumcision will produce a people that are full of conquering. What are we aiming at in LCM? What, why are we going so hard to make sure that we are confessing, that we are circumcising? It's because we are headed towards victory. We're headed towards conquering again and again and again. Verse 10 says, The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. 
No longer is it me being thrown into confusion by my sinful nature. I am throwing my sin into confusion. It can't tell which way is up or down. I got it on the ropes. I am dominating it. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down. I mean, we have through the or we have taken them by surprise, throwing into confusion, defeating them, cutting them down, stabbing them, then making them dead again and again and again. I mean, there is total and complete victory in every regard. When we cut away the flesh of our sinful nature, our living God is able to cut down our enemies and totally destroy them and put them under our feet. Come on, let's look at verse 40 in the same chapter. Joshua 10 and verse 40. So Joshua subdued the whole region. Now we've actually kind of skipped some of our favorite parts because if we read too much more, we'll just start getting in a discussion about Joshua 10. About the sun that stood still in the sky. About the five. See, we could get into all that, but we're showing you that that is the victory that came as they came from Gilgal. See, when you keep coming back from a place, when you keep resting in Gilgal, then you're able to come out and be a conqueror every time. Yeah. So Joshua subdued the whole region, including the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills, and the mountain slopes, together with all their kings. He left no survivors. Come on. See, that has to be the attitude of dealing with sin in our life. It's not conquering it until the next time. You're going to get to the point where you are going for this and leaving no survivors. He totally destroyed all who breathed. Oh, yeah. Isn't that an interesting? I mean, I kind of got caught on that today. He destroyed all who breathed. Yeah, anybody, anything that was still, I'm not dead yet. No, you're, you're dead too. I'm not even going to leave you around for someone else to come and find and revive you later. Ooh, See, we're not just going to put you down. This is not a movie where you get one swing and, and everyone around you goes down. One, one swing. One uh, impact of a good guy and the bad guys just fall and never get up again. This is not how the way the real, the kingdom of God works. He, he destroyed all who breathed just as the Lord, the God of Israel had commanded. Joshua subdued them from Kadesh Barnea to Gaza, from the whole region of Goshen to Gibeon. All these kings and their lands, Joshua conquered in one campaign. Oh, yeah. One time of doing this the right way and you can get a whole lot of ground. You can gain a whole lot of things that you thought were unconquerable. In one time of confession that led to circumcision, he became a conqueror in a way that is something special. Because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Amen. Then Joshua returned with all of Israel to camp. Right back in the place that he came from. He went right back to a place of now that I've been victorious, you know what I'm going to do again? I'm going to make sure my heart is circumcised still. Man, I've just done an incredible campaign. This has been incredible. Let me go back and make sure that there's any confession or any circumcision. I'm going to stay in a place of circumcision so that I can conquer every enemy. Everyone who even breathes, I can take care of them. See, that is the attitude that we must have. Joshua shows it here. 
I love Joshua 10, and I've never seen this until today. Just how beautiful it was that he went out and conquered in one campaign and then came back to that same place. What do we need to come back to tonight? We need to come back to Gilgal. We need to come back. Oh, I've been there before. Amen. We'll come back to it. Well, I did that on Sunday. Well, it's Wednesday. Why aren't you telling me about what you did on Sunday? You're on Wednesday. Come back to it. I won a great campaign between then. Fantastic. Now come back to Gilgal again. Now, we've just got a few more scriptures with you. We've just got a few more things that we want to cover with you. But we want you to understand your confession from a day like Sunday. See, we're in process of going somewhere. We can talk about conquering all we want. We can talk about the beauty of such a special service on Sunday. But we're here on Wednesday. If you don't go through a process of circumcision, you never get to the conquering, no matter how powerful you think your confession was. Man, the Lord is setting us up to be conquered, to be able to conquer every enemy. Because the God of Israel is fighting for Israel. Because the God of LCM is fighting for LCM. But we have to put ourselves in the right place. Tonight is a night of circumcision of our hearts. Amen? Let's go to Colossians 2. Look at verse 11. Joshua returned to Gilgal. Colossians 2.11 is going to point in that same direction. In him, you are also circumcised. In putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Do you see a progression? That there is a circumcision, a putting off of the sinful nature. That one that only Christ can do. There is a burying. A complete and total burying of yourself with him so that you could experience the conquering power of the resurrection that we have that ability to participate in that power by our faith in the power of God that means that as I begin to confess you know what I am putting my trust in the power of God to give me resurrection power when I am circumcising my heart that difficult painful cutting I'm putting my faith in the power of God that resurrection power that will follow the circumcision of my heart because the verse that precedes this is verse, uh, verse 9 and 10. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. How do we participate in that? Circumcision. Burying of our dead man. Being baptized into the fullness of who he is and receiving that resurrection power that allows us to have access to the fullness of Christ. We have the ability tonight to continue the momentum and direction that the Holy Ghost is setting for all of us. And that is to rightly evaluate our state, to confess and continue into circumcision because there's a point to it. There's the resurrection power. That... Confession leads to circumcision that produces conquering what you cannot conquer in your own power. 
What you can't circumcise away with your own hands, only through the power of Christ. Pastor just taught us one of our 12 gates again, by the way. That should, that should be very apparent to you. We actually took our stones out this afternoon and looked through some of our stones, some of our 12 gates. I want to give you another one. Ephesians 3, 6, it says this. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body. And sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I wonder what Ephesians is referring back to. I wonder if Ephesians is referring back to Genesis 17. That to be able to be a part of this covenant that was for Abraham and his descendants and the foreigners and those who are far off. See, it's not a different thought that we have here in Ephesians. It is the same thought that has been with us since the beginning of time. That God said you're going to be heirs together. But what does that require if you're going to be part of that covenant? That you be circumcised. Yes. That is the requirement for us to be there together with them. Not a circumcision done in the flesh or done by man, but one that has been done by God to your heart. Come on. This is what's required for us to be co-heirs with Israel. Because there's one body. This is the point of some of our 12 gates that we have. It's to strengthen you. It's to encourage you. But what we started seeing was... Each one of these are demanding that we circumcise our heart before we're able to conquer, before we're able yes. to partake in them. Yeah. Pastor, I read them, but I, I, I just don't quite get how I'm the, I can be the fullness of, of God in Christ Jesus. The very next verse is what Pastor just read. You've got to circumcise your heart. Right. How, how, how I don't understand what being a co-heir with Israel means. You need to be circumcised in your heart so you can join together with them. Is this making sense to you? Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter 1 4 is another one of our 12 gates. And as we read it, follow the context that Pastor has been laying it out for the uh, previous gates. In order to receive this, it requires a circumcision of the heart. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate. In the divine nature. Well, that's a conqueror right there. That's a conquering that is a result of having your heart circumcised. There's no way that you can experience and have the ability of the divine nature at work within you without having your heart circumcised. And it's twofold as it continues. Participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by your own evil desires. I spent years before Jesus running from the evil in my own heart cause, uh, that was joining in the corruption of the world. I didn't circumcise my heart. So I couldn't run fast enough to get away from it. Let's bring it even more to modern day, not just a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There are areas of my heart that I keep running from, but I haven't allowed the Lord to circumcise my heart from them. And the result is the same every time. I can't escape the corruption of my own heart. I can't escape the worldliness in my own heart because I'm not going through the process of letting the Lord circumcise my heart. The minute that my heart is circumcised, 
I have access to that divine nature. I begin to be that image and reflection of who God is. And I'm able to escape what once pursued me. Turn to Acts chapter 2. We're right here at the end of what we're going to say to you. In just a few minutes, we'll be transitioning and making sure that the Lord can speak something to you that you can hear and respond. We want to show you something interesting in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I think what you just heard Pastor Matt say was incredibly important for every person in this church. We've been speaking for an hour and four minutes, and I need you to pay attention and wake up with what we're saying here. When you are trying to skip to conquering all the things that are unconquerable, but have not yet circumcised your heart or confessed, this is why you lack the power that you're supposed to have. When the people heard this, the words of the Lord on the day of Pentecost was circumcising the hearts of the people that were there. They were cut in their heart. They were circumcised of heart in that moment. They said, my God, what have we done? What can we do about this? We'll do anything that's necessary. Because we've been cut to the heart. The power of the Spirit was beginning a circumcision of their hearts in those moments. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. (laughs) Make sure you get your confession right. Because the Lord Himself, as a great surgeon, is performing a circumcision on your heart, people. Every one of you the whole lot of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then what happens? You become a conqueror. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Doesn't that sound just like Genesis 17 again? Yes. Come on, this is how it's done. Is the same circumcision. When that is present, the same promise is there. The same ability to conquer your sin, not just nurse your sin. Not a confession that just acts as a catharsis for you and makes you feel better. But a confession that leads to circumcision. It is now cut away from you. And you are able to conquer those things that you've never been able to conquer before. Come on, we got some things that need to be conquered in this room. We got men so full of fear that they can't lead their wives right. We've got some things that we got to conquer tonight. We've got people with such impurities in your heart. You'll watch someone else repent and you just stand there cold-hearted, uncircumcised, losing again and again. See, we've got some things that we've got to be cut to the heart about tonight. Not somebody else. Not somewhere else. This is the follow-up from Sunday. You would think that we would take it easy on you tonight. You are just now in a place where you can get to conquering something. You're just now able to by bringing these things out into the light. But that's not where it stops. You've got to circumcise your hearts. You have got to cut it away. Then the victory comes. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord will call. My goodness, a confession that leads to circumcision. 
it'll produce conquering the unconquerable in your life. Let's see one of the promises of following those three steps. Let's go to Revelation 21. Read verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes. Let me rephrase that. He who confesses. He who circumcises. He who conquers. Walking through those three steps. You walk through those three steps and you will inherit all this. That eternal kingdom of God. That full access to the spring of the water of life. I don't think I've ever gone three days without water. Maybe about two. And all I can say is that I've never thirsted like any other time before in my life than that near two days. All I could think about was water. Humid air was a delight. But when our souls are hungry and thirsty for God, we are willing to do whatever it takes to get to that spring of water of life. I don't care what it costs me, my reputation, my future, the, the way that people have seen me in the past. I'm going to do whatever it takes to confess, to circumcise, so I can conquer and inherit all of this. That life-giving water to my soul. Next in the line is, and I will be his God. So in addition to inheriting all this... I have that one and only personal relationship with the living God, that intimacy with Him, that face-to-face like Moses had with God. And lastly, He will be my son. Having that position of a rightful heir, that proximity to my Father, to where I can come to Him at any point in time and have communion with Him, have His ear Right up to to my voice. That if I whisper, he hears my most intimate thoughts. If he whispers, I hear his most intimate thoughts. I want to draw closer to God. I want to draw closer by confession, by circumcision, so I can conquer and receive every bit of inheritance. Look at the next verse, verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, those who may even be able to confess it, but not circumcise it away from their heart, wow. not get the victory over these things. These people are not fit for the kingdom. The unbelieving, unbelieving in what? That God can help you. That God can cause you to overcome. That this pathway that he's laid out for us is the right. There's all kind of things that make us unbelieving. <laughs> the list finishes with idolaters and liars. See, what we are aiming for tonight is getting a group of people who have confessed on a Sunday and can confess tonight but are moving towards circumcision of their heart so that you will be conquering and be called. He could be called your father and you can be called his son. We're going to end in Colossians chapter 2. I want everybody to turn there. Peyton can come forward. Colossians 2 verse 11. We read this earlier. 
But I want to focus on a couple of things as we close. In him, in him you are also circumcised. There's no other way to be circumcised than in him. He goes on to say, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men. You cannot circumcise your own heart. Not with your strength. Not with other men's strength. Not with logic or earthly wisdom. You can't will away your sinful nature. We can, we can will ourselves into a lot of things. Diets, some discipline, behaviors. But one thing you cannot will away is your sinful nature. It's only by the hands of Christ that it can be circumcised away. He's the only one that can do it. In doing so, we're able to readily bury our sinful man with Christ. Lord, carve it. Carve my heart. Cut my heart. Give me the courage to confess. Give me the desire to be cut and circumcised. That one area that either I am blind to or I just don't want to let go of. Cut it away. Do whatever it takes, Lord God. Liberate me. Free me. My hand, no one else's hand can do this. And then let's bury it. I want to see it in the grave. I want to stand on its grave. Because what I'm after is your power. I need your power to conquer. I've tried too long to conquer in my own strength. I've tried too long to conquer with my own intellect, my own passion, my own zeal. Maybe if I'm just fervent enough, if I pray loud enough, if I stir my zeal with my own strength, maybe that'll work. But nothing, nothing compares to the resurrection power. Nothing compares to that resurrection power that raised me on the day I was born again and has been raising me every day since. When I put my feet on the ground, I need to be crying out, Lord, I need your resurrection power to conquer today. Conquer my sinful nature. Help me conquer fear and cowardice. Help me have the faith that trust-grounded obedience in the power of God that will enable me to confess. Look, there, there are some of you guys in here who are full of courage to confess, but you lack the fortitude to go through circumcision. You confess like a boss, but nothing ever is transformed. Nothing's ever changed. Today is that day for the reproach of Egypt to be rolled away. No longer that being a def definition of your life. But a willingness to have anything and everything carved away, cut away, and separate that is foreign to the kingdom of God. Some of you stay within that state of just bemoaning your circumcision. You never get up and march on like Joshua did throughout the night. You never go on to seek to be victorious in it. But you throw yourself a pity party over and over and over again 
and really wallowing in that self-pity to the point where you never gain victory. Tonight is the night for us to stand up to let the Phinehas rise within us. Come on, stand to your feet. We're going to seek to confess before the living God with courage to conquer our cowardice to do so. We're going to trust that God is going to give us the constitution to be circumcised. Cut away from me anything that stands between me and you, Lord God. Lord God, and give me the fire to get up on my feet once my heart is circumcised and move to the town of victory within my own heart. Fantastic. I've defeated. I have conquered cowardice. Now I'm going to move on to the next one on my list on my Nabal card. You're next. And I'm not going to stop until they're all defeated because I have a perpetual priesthood at stake. I'm not just fighting for me. I'm fighting for my generations. That as you conquer, your children will conquer. But that begins with you confessing so your children can know how to confess. It begins with your heart being circumcised so your children's heart knows how to be circumcised. Let's lay this out for the generations. And see the victory of God in our hearts tonight. Come on, respond right now. Mighty God, give us the boldness now. Empower us now, Lord. Not only for confession, but for circumcision here in this moment. Lord, that we might cut away. Lord, the things that we have said before, the things that have been unconquerable in our lives, Lord, we want to get to the conquering, but we must be in a place of circumcision in our hearts. Mighty God, move upon our hearts. Move upon our hearts, Lord, that victory may be ahead. But right now, before we go anywhere else, Lord, we want to be at Gilgal. We want to have our reproach rolled away today. Lord, we don't want to be a part of a group that has been traveling. A part of a group called the group of the circumcision. Lord, but not circumcised in our own hearts. Lord, move on us by your powerful spirit now. Lord, let true confession and repentance be in this room now. Lord, let true circumcision of our hearts be done by you and by you alone, great God. In Jesus' name.